0: encourage you to do that. So me and my staff had the privilege this weekend of going up up to our friend Mike Breen's church of Apex Church up in Dayton. Mike's a great friend and father in this house and has really built a lot into our team with uh, just missional disciple making. Sorry, I don't want to fall down. And Mike um, has been hosting this uh, learning community that we've been going through. And Moses and his wife actually were the leaders and teachers at that. And it was really great. But the thing that I was stuck with, um, there's many things, but one of the things I was stuck with is, we shared this last week, every, or two weeks ago, every disciple making movement is first a what movement? Prayer Prayer movement. And Moses was talking about the need in the rhythm that it's really hard to ever develop the type of life corporately we want of prayer if we individually don't have that life of prayer, right? Because to go to a prayer meeting kind of seems weird, maybe kind of seems boring or kind of seems scary or whatever it can seem like. But for someone who prays a lot, you're like, yes, I wanna go pray with other people and that fervency and that energy and that intentionality to see God's God's kingdom come. But at the middle, I believe, of a disciple-making culture that's a prayer culture is first a Sabbath culture. You might wonder, how do those two tie together? Because we talk a lot about like around here about the rhythms. You see that triangle of up, in, and out. We see up, up is the vertical connection to Father God. That's how we pursue Jesus passionately and prayerfully. At the top of that triangle, why we put that up at the top, because God, we you know, believe in the heavens, that whole thing above us and around us and all that, however you wanna put that, but we believe that he is higher than us and we're lower than him. And so we bend our lives to his will because he's the great king. And we see in that embedded is a very age old concept of Sabbath. Sabbath, I believe, is one of the most underlooked, um, forgotten, cast aside, dismissed practices in the 21st century church, and I think we're reaping the fruit thereof. I think we're reaping the fruit thereof. Jesus says very very simply, in John chapter 15, verse five, apart from me, you can do nothing. Everyone read that with me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That you is you. That you is me. That you is every person that's not named Jesus. And do you know even Jesus submitted himself, do you know if Jesus didn't have a life of deep upward connection with God, he would have done nothing. Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I see my father say. I only go where he's going. I only move where he's moving. Jesus had this life that was bent towards the father's will. And we see Jesus had a robust personal life of prayer. And out of that prayer where he was hearing from God, he was obeying God what he heard. He was obeying what he heard. And we know that um, we, we see in the Bible in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll honor me. And I think that at the center of any disciple-making movement is first a prayer culture and then an obedience culture. And we learn in 1 John 5, 3, like it says, John says, to love God is to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. So there's this two parts of it where like, sabbath does he really mean that does he really mean take a day off that's what they did in an agricultural society where they didn't have electricity and they could turn the lights and they didn't have to turn lights off and they couldn't turn their smartphones off because they didn't have they had tablets you know whatever that first tablets different than our tablets a little heavier but um that what do we do with that like that was a back then or i've heard people say Oh, that's an Old Testament thing. A lot of times, I like when people are like, well, that's an Old Testament concept. Like, that's the law. Yeah, I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you not to eat shellfish. I don't like shellfish, but I wouldn't tell you not to eat it. But there are some things in the Old Testament that are done away with in the law, that Jesus fulfilled the some the commandment of the law. There's other things that predate the law and that seem to be a continuum when we step into the life of Christ and the practices of the ancient church. One of those things is Sabbath. And we're gonna talk about that today. Because let's go back to the garden. Let's go back to the garden of Eden. Let's set the stage. God, five days, been making the cosmos, been making the earth, been making the uh, waters, everything teem with life. And then on the sixth day, he makes us. What were the names of the first human beings, according to the Bible? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve very good. Who was the first human? Adam. Adam. Very good. We know right away, God gave Adam two challenges and one invitation. The first were, <clears throat> to go be fruitful and multiply Now, to a guy walking around naked, that might not felt like much of a challenge with his wife walking around naked. He felt like, let's multiply. Um, Just saying. Um, (laughs) The other part of it was to subdue the earth, to take care of the earth, to manage the land. Those are the things God charged Adam with first. But the first thing Adam did with God was Adam was made on the sixth day. What did God do on the seventh day? Rested. We see a precedent that it seemed like God wanted Adam not to rest from his work, but to work from his rest. He had these things he had to do, but he said, wait, first, we're gonna take a vacation day. You and me are gonna commune together, we're gonna chill, you're gonna Sabbath delight, you're gonna learn from me, and we're just gonna be together. And then, on the next day let's get to it so god invited adam first to work from his rest and not rest from his work and so we see sabbath as a principle that goes way before the law way before there was even any sin god told adam that they were going to do that and god If if discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus and we see that God rested on the seventh day and we see in the pattern in the New Testament that Jesus rested on the seventh day, maybe if we're having a challenge with it, why do we think that would not apply to our lives? Why do we think that God wouldn't want us to hit pause too? And some of you might be thinking, I have so much to do, you don't know what my schedule's like, or I have so many bills, I have to work that day too. Um, I just, if I stop, I'm going to die. If I stop, the bill collectors are coming. If I stop, my business is going to fall apart. If I stop, that thing won't get done. But Jesus says, apart from me, you can do Nothing. And a lot of times, our efforts, 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 our continual efforts to keep going and never stop, in the end, if they're not graced by God, they amount to nothing. Do you know when you're gone, whenever that is, chances are 100 years from now, no one's going to remember you. No one's going to know that you existed. Chances are, if we died tomorrow, most of the people in the city wouldn't have any idea it happened. And they'd just keep driving to work, going to church, going, you know, taking their kids to school. Like, life would just keep going. And that's not to say that our life's not important, because it is. But I think God can do more with any of our lives than any of us can do with our own lives. And I believe, and you've heard me say this before if you've been around here any length of time, I believe Sabbath is the, is the, because in Hebrews we see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Sabbath is the concept that says, God, I believe you can do more with six days of my week than I can do with seven. That's just, it's just a trust. I trust you with my time. And then the talent side, right, tithing. God, I believe you can do it more with 90% of my money than I can do with 100% of my money. So time and talent. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is. Our treasure seems to be the things that we value most are our time and our monies, our talents. God says, bring these things to me and watch what I do with them. In the concept of Sabbath, I don't believe Sabbath is as much of a challenge as it is an invitation. God's saying, I invite you to a life that will produce a rippling effect throughout eternity rather than just managing the rat rat race now. That's that's what a Sabbath life is. And I believe Sabbath is one of the most base principles of a disciple-making life. Because if discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus, and we say what other people, a question we ask often of people we're discipling of ourselves is, would other people want my life? If our lives are full of debt, full of no rest, full of health problems, relational problems, this problem, that problem, would other people want our life? Are we really saying, follow me as I follow Christ? Because I might look like, well, you're talking about it, but that doesn't look like, Jesus says, that um, I give you rest for your souls. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Faith might seem really heavy and really hard, and it might seem really hard to take a day off. It might seem really hard to sacrifice our money, but on some level, I've found it, it. It's become one of the easiest things I've ever done because I don't have to. I don't have to cross all the T's or dot, all the I's. That God will fill in gaps and he's got got food I know nothing about. And I think a lot of us miss the meals of heaven because we won't give up the slop of earth. I think a lot of us miss the meals and the provision of heaven because we won't give up the slop of earth. That I gotta do it, I gotta accomplish it, I gotta make it work. Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 through 14 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come. So they will know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. So we see on this thing, we see this uh, great paradigm like we talked about this, up in out okay that's a messy triangle i don't do that as well as my wife does apparently um so but we see up here is up we see up god says it's a sign that i'm holy that i am holy therefore you are holy what does holy mean anyone know what holy means set apart apart. bam Special? special yeah set apart You're you're set apart. You're special. The Sabbath, I believe, shows we believe God is holy because we set aside a whole day just for him. He told us to, ergo we do it. Because you are so holy, because you are so great, you are up here on my weird isosceles triangle that's supposed to be, you know, all... Not that, Um, you are holy, you are holy. So I set you apart in my life, you get first precedence, you get my first fruit. You don't get the scraps, the leftover, the slop that fell off my plate, you get my first fruit. Do you plan to Sabbath? Because Sabbath isn't something you'll just step into, right? Just like if you're going to give away 10% of your money, To tithe, you gotta kinda plan that. Right? You gotta plan. You gotta plan to save. You gotta plan to do those sort of things, to set that apart. Sabbath is a is a will surrendered that says, I plan to do this for you, and here's how I'm gonna do it. And it can take on all shapes and sizes, but a Sabbath is a twenty-four-hour day. So whether that's all day from like Sunday to Monday, or whether that's dinner on Sunday to dinner on Monday, or whether like you know your off day is Wednesday, you ha- we have to plan the Sabbath. We set it apart, it's holy enough that we don't only observe it, but we plan to do it in a really good way. That's both God honoring and us freeing. That's restful. Because Sabbath is one of the basis uh, practices of a disciple. So how does it make us holy? It makes us holy because we set ourselves apart for his purposes. We set him apart, it sets us apart. And we're not trying to be some elite spiritual society. What we are trying to be is obedient. It will always look different. There will always be people. There'll be Christians, there'll be family members, there'll be clients. There'll be neighbors. When we obey, when we, lift, when we take up the mantle of discipleship, there will always be people who don't get it. There'll always be people who it frustrates. There will always be things that try to come against it, but it will always be something that is proof positive, if done right, that you believe God's holy. Sabbath is really important. It's a base discipleship practice because if Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, we take it seriously as disciples and say, I say what Jesus said because I'm becoming like him. So I believe apart from God, I can do nothing. And if he tells me to do it this way, I'm gonna trust because we know without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and I would contend this because I know a lot of people, like I'll say, what's your prayer life like? Oh, I pray in the car on the way to work or I pray throughout my day. If that's all you're praying, I'm gonna say, I don't think you have a prayer life that looks like Jesus's. I'm not saying that's wrong, because we're supposed to pray continuously, but if we're just giving God the scraps and the fill-ins, I, I would say that if we don't get a, a daily Sabbath right, we're gonna have a hard time doing a 24-hour Sabbath. If we can't set aside a half hour to an hour a day, we're gonna have a very hard time setting aside 24 hours once a week. Amen. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'm not trying to put anyone down. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but if that's all we have f- for prayer, maybe it's time to get in that prayer closet and say, God, is what I'm doing offensive? Or is it reaping the type of life in Jesus that I want? Because I think a lot of us are trapped, stuck in certain things or just kind of on the, you know, fanning out, flaming out, maybe in real relational or physical danger because we won't take a day or a play off. And we're operating in our own strength. And rushing into a meeting is probably not all the prayer we should give to something. Is God, do I give him the first fruits of my life? And maybe you don't Sabbath, that's okay. But I would encourage you to start praying about it because we're gonna see, we're gonna walk through a little bit more clearly in the book how it's in there. Because it says in here, it says, observe the Sabbath because it's holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. We're not gonna kill anyone, okay? Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days, work is to be done. But on the seventh, that's the day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. Lasting. It'll be a sign between me and the Israelites, my people forever. In six days, Lord, may the heavens are... On the seventh day, he rested. See, it might not be a stoning or a capital offense anymore, but we, when we disobey and sin, things in our lives start dying without us trying anyways. We're not gonna have to stone you, right? When we disobey God, parts of our lives die. Our marriages die. Our families die. Maybe our health dies. Maybe our um, sensitivity to the spirit dies. Maybe that walk we used to have Dies. Maybe our reputation dies. Maybe our life is literally cut too short because of the stress of overworking. I mean, friends, we know burnout, a 2021 study said, burnout's harder to recover from than is moral failure. And burnout happens from what? Is it just never stopping? Never stopping, and I think a lot of the things we deal with and wrestle with in our lives could be averted, could be avoided, or it could be shortened if we would just say, sometimes uncle, and just say, Jesus, what are you doing here? What's my way out of this? Because there's been a couple times like in my life where man, I did not listen. Mm. <laughs> there's been a couple times in my life where I did not listen where I would not listen, where I wouldn't stop. Wound up in the hospital, or wound up just my marriage was a wreck, wound up my life was a wreck, wound up doing a job for a long time. I hated, because God said, I'm not gonna let you do this other thing while you're disobeying me massively in this thing. And it wasn't until I found victory in my life was actually the way... like the way out of addiction for me was, was actually weirdest thing, this might sound weird to you, do you know how I was able to get free from an addiction? Learning to have a daily quiet time with God. Seriously, I learned how to commune with the spirit. Learned how to connect with the spirit and it gave me the fuel that I needed for the rest of that day to walk away from that thing. It gave me the fuel that I needed the rest of that week to walk away from that thing. It gave me the fuel that I needed for several years now to walk away from that thing because I learned how to commune with Jesus. Because I did it in my own strength. I hated it. I wanted to stop. And I had every punishment imaginable doled out on me to like, son, quit, son, listen, son, no, son. You know, but it wasn't until I got in line and said, okay, I'm going to do what I see Jesus doing, that he lent me his strength. A lot of us, like, it, very interesting to me, and you guys have probably heard this. You know what the most profitable fast food chain in, is in the country on a per day basis by a ton? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. How many days are they open? Who's ever been ticked off? You're driving home on a Sunday and you kind of forget. <laughs> you kind of forget it's Sunday. You just know you got to be home and you're like, I want some Chick-fil-A. And you're like, well, they ain't open. Honestly, I believe God has blessed their business um, through the roof because I believe part of it is honoring the Sabbath. They're very generous and they honor the Sabbath. And so you might say, well, I can't afford to stop. I think you can't afford not to stop. But the fruit of obedience and a Sabbath, when it moves from a have to to a get to, that's when the unlimited flow and power start to move through our lives. That's when the power to overcome things we couldn't stop before. Because you might say, well, I I gotta work to pay that bill. Well, what if you trust God? What if he just wants to pay the bill for you, but he won't because you're stuck trying to take care of it yourself? And he's just saying, well, whenever you're ready, I'll pay that bill for you. I have a windfall, but you won't get it until you obey me. So the opposite, so we see up here is up. We see an up, like this thing with God is Sabbath Sabbath delight, we'll call that Sabbath, okay? The opposite of this, I believe, is sin and stuck. Because I believe like the shadow form of worship, when we worship God and set him, as, him apart as holy, we honor him. The opposite part of when we wanna worship ourselves, which becomes sin, we get stuck, that's the fruit of it. So Sabbath equals sanctification, the process of becoming like Jesus, okay? But the other part of that is, you know, the opposite of sanctification is sin. And the opposite of Sabbath is stuck, stuck on the treadmill, stuck on the the hamster wheel. In Jeremiah 25, there's this great prophecy that we're, we're basically, Jeremiah says, and it's, said in um, Second Chronicles, chapter 36, I'm gonna read. It says, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had, uh, because he had pity on, on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword and the sanctuary and did not spare the young men, the young women, the elderly or the infirmed. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. He carried to Babylon all the articles of their temple, both large and small, treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of his king's officials. They set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and they burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. And it says, He carried into exile Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and his successors until the kingdom of Persia came to power. The land enjoyed Sabbath rests. All. All the time of its desolation it rested until 70 years were completed in fulfillment the word had spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. See, Jeremiah had come earlier and said to the Israelites, the children of Israel, and said, listen, God takes this Sabbath thing really seriously. Idolatry is a product of a life that's not bent toward Sabbath. Because Sabbath, obeying, puts God as holy. It sets him apart. If you want to know, how do I get idols out of my life? Set God apart. It puts him in the place of worship and it starts to remove the other high places in our lives. God said to the prophet, he said, listen, because you have not listened to me, because you have not honored me, I'm going to give you 70 years of Sabbath. I'm going to give the land 70 years of Sabbath because you have not honored me to make up for all the Sabbaths you've missed. It totals 70 years. I'm going to let you be enslaved because you would not honor the Sabbath. That's a pretty, that's a pretty harsh discipline. What in your life, what in my life is God saying because you won't honor me with this, I'm gonna turn you over to the torture of this thing because you'll always, you'll always be subdued by what you worship. Do you know that? We will always be subdued by what we worship. And God says, hey, you wanna be subdued by this thing? Here you go. Here you go. Because we don't practice Sabbath delight. Um, I think that there's a lot of things in our lives that are just, are just broken. And I know this is a lot. I know this is a lot. I mean, like the opposite, like here is in the disciple-making life. In is, I believe, where we get to experience life together, where we do soul, self, and family care. Since my last name is Snow, I could say Snow Care and just keep, uh, keep alliteration going because I love alliteration. So soul, self, Snow Care. Um, here, where I can do that when we, do, when we pursue God and we have disciple making lives and rhythms, our, our souls get blessed, our lives get blessed, our relationships get blessed. Since we've been practicing the Sabbath as a family man, our, our, I believe our family's benefiting from it. Now we're not perfect at it, but our girls will call me on it. Like, dad, what are we gonna do tomorrow on Sabbath? Can we make some pancakes or can we go to the park or can we you know, get some pizza or can we watch a movie? Like they know it's coming and they look forward to it. They don't gotta make their beds. No chores, and they'll call us. I thought, Dad, why are you doing that? I thought, it's Sabbath. I'm like, you guys suck. <laughs> and, <laughs> but they're just calling me out. And I think in in the out, in the out of Sabbath, if we the out, all the thing, this marker's not good. Um, bad carpenter blames his tools, right? Um, the out. What we get outwardly in our lives is we get sustainability when we Sabbath. So we get sanctification, we get soul and self care, we, we, we become healthy people. And then I think we live a sustainable lifestyle that other people would wanna emulate. The people would say, yeah, there's something different about the way you live. There's something different about the way you carry yourself. But the other part of out that if we don't get Sabbath is um, subjugation. Because we saw the Israelites, God said, fine, I'm gonna turn you over to Babylon. These people you wanna be so much like, like listen friends, we live in 21st century America, we don't even realize the propensities we have embedded in our lives, in our culture to be greedy, and to be prideful. Like it, every one of us has to deal with it because we we can't even see it. And, but God says that thing that perpetuates greed and that kind of I'll pull myself up by my scruff or I'm self-made. You don't understand how hard I work. Do you know unimpressed? Like, have you ever made the world in six days? Do you know what I mean? Like, did you make stuff ex Nilo, like out of nothing? Did you just like do the Aslan and breathe and it came to pass? No. If he can take a day off, you and I can take a day off. But if we don't, subjugation. He says, fine, you wanna be your own God, which will be no God at all, and you'll serve the God of your culture, you'll serve the God of your pocket. He says, I'll turn you over to that, that subjugation, that slavery, and let's see how that feels. He says, I will purge the land of people like you because I believe God's looking for a better class of Christian than people are just gonna pick and choose what they want out of his book. That people just cherry pick the Bible till it fits their lifestyle. Hashtag blessed. No, hashtag screwed. Since we're going with like S's. Hashtag screwed it. Like if we don't obey, like the, the stakes are high. People, will, people don't follow Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of Christians that are sucky examples. Come on, amen. Come on. Living sacrifices, that's always what's drawing people to himself. He says, when I be lifted up in this world, through your lives, I will draw all people to myself. When I be lifted up, when we're living sacrifices, people will come for that and they will persecute that. But guess what? When the chips are down and it dials up in their life and they're in subjugation and slavery and unsustainability, guess who they're gonna look to for answers? A disciple making church, a healthy church, a holy church is a Sabbathing church because we trust that God can do more in six days than we can do a seven. And it makes no sense. The math makes no sense. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's right. And like I said, Sabbath, Sabbath and stillness was not a cog in my life. My mom said literally, I learned how to crawl and then how to run. And I always had two black eyes. Everyone thought my, my mom was like abusing me because literally I'd just run into everything. Like from the minute I could walk, I was running. Like Forrest, I was running. And, <laughs> I just kept running the walls. I don't know what I was doing. Um, But like it was happening. And it really wasn't taught. I was like 37 years. And I was just like, I'm tired of running. I'm just going to slow down. I'm going to receive the life, the healing, the wisdom, the impartation, the amazing relationships. Some of your spouses hate you. Or some of you hate your spouses cause they won't stop. They won't pay you a lick of attention and it hurts. You didn't sign up to be ignored. Some of us are in real marital issue because we won't stop. Cause we won't cause we, we think somehow what our family needs from us is better than we had it. They don't. They just need you as a living example of Jesus, to point them to him, to love them, to walk with him, to share with him. That's, that's, what our, that's, what, that's what we, at our deepest core, like do you know God doesn't need anything from us? He doesn't need us to take a day off. He wants us to join him in this quest to redeem this broken universe. And when we pause and we listen, we get his life. We get his strength. We get his tactics. We get his wisdom. We get his power. We get his understanding and release. And we get the energy and stamina we need to go on to do it again, because life is hard, isn't it? Jesus says, "Why he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Everything else in the world wants to take besides this God we serve named Jesus. Jesus says, give me your garbage and I will give you my glory. Give me your junk and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Give me your fallenness and I'll give you promotion. Give me your poverty and I'll give you my wealth. Give me that family that didn't give one iota about you and I'll give you a family that's unlike anything you've ever seen that doesn't have the drunk uncle peeing off the picnic table at the family gatherings. E-Hollywood, true story. Um, so God says, I, I have more for you, but I will not give it to you unless you stop and receive it from me. You gotta, you gotta receive the gift my way. And I'm gonna wrap up on this. Last week, Last week, my little girl Naomi came up to me and she was showing me something After church, and it was this really cute little drawing that um, you know it's done by a seven-year-old who's not named uh, Picasso. And so I I couldn't really make out what it was, but I just glanced at it. She starts telling me about it, and it was like, oh, that was really cute, honey. That's really sweet. And she said, this is this is when I was adopted. And I just kind of, oh, that's cute, that's sweet. But I didn't really stop and listen. And later on, uh, my wife told me, did you see you see Naomi's drawing? I'm like, oh yeah, I did. I didn't see it because I wouldn't pause. I saw it, but I didn't see it. And embedded in this was this beautiful thing of like she wrote out her story about how she came to us, and I missed so much of it because I wouldn't stop what I was doing. How many of us? God's trying to show us stuff we're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's cool, God. The uh, thing in Exodus or Chronicles and John. That's really cool. Uh, that's good. That's, that's good. How many of us miss it, miss the bigger story, the embedded thing, because we just are glossing over it? I completely missed it. What are you needing in your life? What do you need rest from? What needs a change in your life? Not only to have a Sabbath once a week, 24 hours, or maybe what needs a change in your day for you to start having that daily office, that daily Sabbath before you start your day? Maybe you need to eat better. I know a lot of times when I eat tons of carbs, I feel like crud, and I'm up through the night, and I don't wake up as early because I'm just laying there with my 600-pound life, and I feel horrible, you know, heartburn. Maybe we need to just turn our phones off. Maybe we need to go to bed earlier. Maybe we need to exercise. I don't know what it is, but what what is God calling you to do to step into a life of obedience? Because there will be things that have to go that we have to set apart, set aside so we can be holy because he's holy. And we know without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness does not mean perfection, it means set-apartness. So if Jesus is just an add-on, that's not holy. It starts with him. So where is he inviting you? Where's, I'm gonna gonna break something if I'm not careful up here. Where is Jesus calling you to trust, because really at the core of Sabbath is trust and it's relationship. Like God wants to relate to us. This is not a punishment. Sabbath is a gift. It might feel like a punishment, like, oh, I'm gonna lose out of money or I'm gonna lose Listen, if your boss will fire you because you won't answer your your phone on Sunday, guess what, You, you need another job. If you're that boss that won't stop blowing people up on the weekends, you're dishonoring God and you're dishonoring them. What God wants to do in their life is more important than that deal you gotta cook up or that product. We've gotta honor each other on our Sabbaths. I'm gonna ask you, unless it's vitally important, don't call the staff or text the staff on Fridays. That's our Sabbath. A lot of us, you might, why aren't staff getting back to me? Because we're gonna honor the Sabbath. Now, if it's like an emergency, we have a pastor on call line. Call that. If there's like a vital injury or death, God forbid, and something bad happens, reach out. But if it's just, hey, Ryan, I need this thing? Like, I'm just not going to answer you on Friday, because I want to honor God in that Sabbath. So our staff, that's the day we take off because we work on Sundays. But have those boundaries in place that you honor God with your life, with your Sabbath. And that might sound like a hard gauntlet, like your pastor's, oh, don't call me. That's the mean church. No, we're, we're just really serious about obedience. Amen. I am more serious about obedience than I am about being your pastor. I'm way more serious about obeying Jesus than I am serving you. Because if I don't obey Jesus, I won't serve you well. I won't lead you well, I won't love you well. I won't honor him if I don't obey him. I'm not saying I don't wanna serve well, I'm not saying I don't wanna do a good job, but always at the top of my life, If it comes down to anyone else, it came down to my wife and Jesus. I made that choice 32 years ago. He's everything to me. And He wants to be that to you. He is that to you. He is God no matter what, but He's loving, He's good, and He wants you. So we're gonna pray. We're just gonna take a couple minutes and pray. Just kind of bow your heads. And just think, God, where am I not? Where's my schedule pushing you out? Where am I not yielding? Where am I not resting in you? Where am I not able to receive your life because of the life that's going on around me? Maybe you uh, want to receive prayer today. Prayer teams ask you guys to kind of get around the room, or unless you're on a prayer team and you need prayer today. Um, but yeah, just I want I want to challenge you to, if you need prayer today, come up and get prayer. I want you to tell someone before you leave what's God saying to you. What's crowding him out? What's crowding him out? I'm gonna be honest. For me, a lot of times the church crowd stuff out, like I'll get up and I wanna work on this sermon, this message, this discipleship thing. And it's like, I gotta receive before I can give. So I really have to fight in the morning because I love what I do, I love it. I love not working at a bank anymore. I love what I do, I'm very thankful for it. If you work at a bank, no offense, I just like this better. I used to work at a bank, but banks are great. Um, but I, I've i gotta fight really to be like that first. that first, one to three hours of my day, I've just got to set on the king. What's he doing in my life? Before I just start jumping into writing a message or you know preparing a thing. So tell someone today, I just told all you, you can hold me accountable. Hold me accountable to that. But what do you need today? So Father, just move, touch us today. We love you, we bless you. Help us to go and sin less this week and Sabbath and to rest in you, and to know that Sabbath is a starting point. It's not the end game. You want to be with us and us to abide the whole week, not just an hour a day or 24 hours a week, but all the time. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. Love y'all.